Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We are still um, under the sh- the looming shroud of COVID-19, but mm-hmm. we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel now. Yes, at least where we are. Yes, so, we, that's uh, good. Uh, we got to perform a show with our band Area 52 the other night. Yep. And uh, I actually did... had people show up and didn't have to live stream it. Yep. <laughs> Which was nice. Uh, movie theaters are going to be opening up with precautions soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, small venues are opening for music. And uh, restaurants are open. And it's just, it's you feel like things are starting to get back to normal. But I, I heard that in December we're going to get round two. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, the virus supposedly is... Like, it dies in heat, you know, above 80 degrees or something. So mm-hmm. summer will be kind of normal, relatively. Yeah. So that's nice. What if this was a thing, like, now we have to live with every year? I They're talking about that. They're talking about it's like going to be, like, another flu. Like, once we have the vaccine, like, that'll be, like, a seasonal vaccine. That's gets. so crazy. I know. It's really weird. Because, oh, my gosh. And yeah. then there'll be, like, a whole generation of people who won't remember a time before COVID. coronavirus. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Goodness. I mean, it'll be manageable once you have right. you know, a cure for it. Once you have the vaccine, and uh-huh. everything, but, eventually it'll get vaccinated out of the population. You know, uh-huh. Yeah, that's still crazy, though. <laughs> it's weird. Anyway. And we're going to be, I'm sure, so much more prepared for it this time mm-hmm. and not freak out mm-hmm. because yeah. we're going to know exactly what this entails and how much it can yeah. wreck the economy. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're going to have all of the crazy closures like we did last this last time. I would hope not. Yeah. Hope so, um, but it's just, it's nice to see that we're, we're regaining some semblance of normalcy. Yes. And, uh, it's good to be back with you in the same room recording. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Prince, we recorded in the same room. But... Yeah. So this is, this is number two, is number back two. to, back to the, the normal <laughs> to status the, quo. Yeah. And, um. We're just glad to be able to continue to push out content for you guys. And if you want to be informed on all the content that we have coming out, which we are scaling up the content that we are making. Yes, we are. We We just got finished doing... We'll be able to announce next episode specifically our little extra project we've been doing. Okay. Because that's the episode that it's tied to. Uh, That's when we can kind of officially talk about it. Oh, yeah. So... A little tease for you guys, but in order to stay up to date on our episodes, just please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. We are on Spotify now, which is great, but we're also on Apple and Google and uh, Anchor, of course, and then some other ones that I don't know if people listen to these platforms, but in case they do, um, Overcast and Stitcher and Breaker. So I have those apps on my phone just... Mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of see how it works, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure why it exists, but you know, if you listen, if that's your preferred listening <laughs> platform, yeah. then good for you. Go right ahead. We we appreciate you listening, whatever capacity you can. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so leave us a comment in whatever platform you're listening on. Let us know what bands you want us to look at. I actually haven't looked at the comments recently. I want to see if anyone else is talking about. Um... <laughs> yeah, that kind of be important. We're yeah. going to talk about your guys' if, comments. Yeah. Lucas says to read them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we don't have any new ones uh, last I've checked, but 
you know, we'll we'll still take into consideration anything that you guys throw at us, mm-hmm. and um, and just let us know what you think of the podcast. And another way that you can communicate with us is to go to our social media pages, our Instagram, our yes. Facebook. Uh, we really want you guys to get involved in our Sunday giveaways. So Ooh, yes, we're doing those now. Yes. So we uh, every Sunday I'm going to be posting a picture that's going to be a hint for the artist that the next episode is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be putting it on both the Instagram and the Facebook page. And I'm going to do this every week. So um, please don't just like the photo. Participate. If you can guess who it is... We're going to send you a little gift. Can I participate? No, because you know who it's going to be. <laughs> Man, okay. It's not fair. All right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll um, we'll send you a gift from Amazon, and eventually, when we get to the point where we have our own merch, that'll be a kind of a good way to kind of send some swag to you guys. I love that word, swag. It makes <laughs> you feel cool. And, uh, yeah, so get involved with that, as well as just, you know, we'll be putting announcements on there and we'll be putting you know questionnaires and things like that so make sure to uh check in with that and also check out our patreon page yeah we're gonna be uh putting some some cool content on there we're kind of still in the process of figuring out exactly what we want to put on but we should have it up and running by the time you're listening to this episode um you're gonna see probably uh eventually like some uh exclusive content on there so yeah. make sure that you stay tuned for that. And it's going to be a great way to support the channel. It'll allow us to um, continue to just put more and more and more into this because this is something that uh, we love doing and we want to do full-time if possible. Yep. And, um, yeah, I uh, I don't think I have anything else to do as far as... Um, plugging. Plugging. <laughs> and getting you guys to do things. and. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, we had some a pretty big news story this last week. Yes, let's talk about that. And that was the passing of Little Richard, who was one of the OG rock and roll pioneers. You're talking uh, like uh, Elvis era? Yes. Okay. Now, I mean, you've got the guys in the 40s that kind of like were the, bl- the big blues guys. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you're... you're Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and right and Fats Domino, all those guys that kind of like you could say was like the very beginning uh, forms of rock and roll. But as far as the guys that were there when rock and roll was coined and the mm-hmm. sound was established, mm-hmm. uh, Little Richard was one of the most important, and he was one of the last surviving. Because I mean, Elvis has been gone for a long time. Right. Buddy Holly's been gone since the fifties. Um, Chuck Berry passed away a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis were the last two really big ones. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Lee Lewis is still alive, but mm-hmm. the passing of Little Richard—that's, I mean, the the first guard is almost completely gone, which is crazy. He was eighty-seven years old. Wow. And um, what Little Richard did, and eventually I'll do an episode on him because mm-hmm. he's he's that important. You know, this isn't just, you know, a guy that, you know, only the musicians knew about. Like, at his time, he was one of the biggest stars in the world. Wow. He, um, he was kind of the guy that brought the the crazy side to rock and roll. He had, yeah. he had a <laughs> voice that was just wild and unhinged, um, going for all the high notes and putting the rasp in the vocals. 
Um, he's pretty much the guy that invented doing in in a song. Yeah. Um, and just was a incredible showman. So he was also a piano player. But he, like, was someone that did not sit down at the piano. He stood at the piano. He rocked his body while he played. He put his feet up on the piano. Um, just doing whatever he could to put on a good show. He was kind of... I would say, like, him and Elvis were, like, the two original showmen of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And Little Richard precedes Elvis by a couple years. Mm. I want to say he came around, like, 53, where Elvis was 55. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that his his longest lasting contribution was that he was one of the the biggest influences on the Beatles. Particularly, Paul McCartney was a Little Richard student, and a lot of his voice was crafted around Little Richards. Uh, they opened for him a lot whenever they were still unsigned and doing the club circuit, mm-hmm. and they learned a lot from him and. Uh, they actually covered, ooh, I know for sure they've covered two of his songs officially on their records. Wow. So. You get covered by the Beatles. Huh? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was one of their heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul McCartney wrote a pretty great uh, post on him just kind of talking about how important Little Richard was, not just to him, but the Beatles as a whole. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, this guy was, again, I just want to emphasize, this was not just, you know, a minor rock figure or even, like, one that was really good but maybe wasn't influential. Like, this guy is one of the most influential musicians of all time because he was one of the first. He was part of that very first wave of rock and roll. Hmm. And so uh, I I think sometime we'll do, oh, not I think, I know for sure we'll do an episode on him at some point just to... dig deeper and for you to also be able to hear specifically kind of what he brought to the table and for you listeners as well um but in the meantime go listen to some little richard um i'm sure that there's some songs on there that you probably didn't know that he did Hmm. so specifically go listen to tutti frutti that was that was kind of his signature song oh yeah okay yeah (laughs) i think i've heard that before Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's it's a one of the most popular early rock songs ever. It's been covered by everyone. Queen did a pretty amazing cover of it in their 86 tour. Well, you said that. Now all I can think of is Ooby Dooby. Ooby Dooby. Ooby Dooby. Ooby Dooby 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 Or however it goes or whatever. Who does that song? Oh, I would have to look it up. I, I That song is like, it's ringing a bell, but I'm like not visualizing in my head what song that is. Oh. Okay. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> well, we'll go that was, ahead. That was kind of a rabbit trail. All yeah. Right. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, this episode. Yes. Which we're covering one of the biggest bands of all time. Okay. And that is... The Eagles. The Eagles. Okay. Now, their official uh, title is just Eagles. It's actually not The Eagles. Oh. You look on their albums, it's not The Eagles. It's just Eagles. But, of course, whenever you're talking about them, you say The Eagles. Cause it'd be I weird. mean, the the is implied. Yeah, but... They are the Eagles. Yeah, but there's other bands, like, that's part of their name is, like, you know, The Who, The Beatles. Now, is it the... The Rolling Stones. Is it... They are... They have the top-selling album of all time, or number two? In America, they have the top-selling album of all time. Eagles Greatest Hits. Yes. 
Uh, it beat out Thriller a couple years ago. 38 million just in the United States. And so that's not counting worldwide. Wow. Uh, it's So I want to say it's like number three or four all time. Because hmm. I want to say like uh, Thriller. Thriller worldwide has sold like 80 something. Hmm. Wow. And um, I think Dark Side of the Moon is ahead of it worldwide as well. Wow. But here in America, they've got the number one and the number three slot, with Hotel California being the third best-selling Really? hmm Wow. So, That's just to good. set the stage here of how big this band is. Yes. So, I mean, like, the 70s, they were one of the bands that owned the 70s. They, they kind of own the sound. of You can find a little bit of Eagles in a lot of the bands from that era. Yeah. Like, to me, it kind of, kind of sounds a little bit... Leonard Skinnerdy. Uh huh. So let's kind of talk about yeah, so where they fit in the seventies picture, as okay. far as how as sonically. Uh huh. All right. So that first album came out in seventy three, and their their classic period extends from seventy three to eighty. Okay. Which they broke up in nineteen eighty, hmm. and then got back in, together in the nineties. But those records are not considered essential mm-hmm. records. So like that's that stretch. I want to say it's um, one, two, three, four, five, six albums from mm-hmm. seventy-three to eighty that are all just like essential records. Every all six of them, mm-hmm. some a little more than others, but mm-hmm. all of them have classic rock staples on them. And um, what was going on in the early seventies in rock and roll? I mean, you had the British right. stuff with Led Zeppelin. Um, and the Who being at the, their biggest point in the early 70s, kind of leading the, uh, you got Black Sabbath kind of leading the harder edge, Deep Purple. Um, and then you had the glam stuff that was going on early 70s with David Bowie and Sweet and T-Rex, mm-hmm. uh, eventually Queen. And then you also had what was called the Americana Movement. So that's um, that's early 70s Grateful Dead, that's, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and Simon and Garfunkel. This um, is some stuff I've never listened to. Yeah, well, we'll get to it at some point. <laughs> okay, because I love all that stuff. Um, you've kind of got like your singer songwriters, like I was talking about in our Elton John episode, which you guys should check out. Um, like you've got kind of these these more folky, like Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and Jackson Brown, mm-hmm. um, that are just kind of you know. It's it's very acoustic driven. Mm. It's got that country feel to it, but it's also got um, it's not like country country like you know it's not Johnny Cash country, which is what country was at that time. It's not what we think of country now because mm-hmm. I like old country. Oh yeah, me too. And because yeah. uh, it's it's got a little, it's just it's got that um, that singer songwriter perspective to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it leans a little more from folk than country, but, you know, acoustic guitar is very prevalent, pianos, um, very important on, like, h- harmonies and just really nice-sounding vocals. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where the Eagles fit into that Yeah, picture. yeah, I was about to say, you're describing them, like, to the T. Mm-hmm. But they were actually kind of on the tail end of that movement. Because that movement kind of lost its popularity around 73 to 74. Hmm. And it's the reason why I believe that the Eagles succeeded is because they kind of took that sound in a new direction. 
infusing a little bit more rock and roll into it. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, as well as putting a little bit more of just like a pop sensibility to it. To where it's, you know, you could see these songs dominating the top of the radio. Oh, because they do. Because they did. <laughs> they absolutely did. Uh, I also need to, I need to look at my number one hits for them because they've got several. Yeah. Well, okay, you mean, do you mean by pop as in pop structure? Pop, like, Yeah, just like pop style? hooks. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, the, the way the song is structured where Americana is a bit more rootsy and mm. can, you know, is more, it, it's more story driven. Rather than structuring verse, chorus, bridge, solo. It's kind of more, you know, they're telling a story. It's not as structured. Well, the Eagles still do that. They still are able to pull it off. They do, exactly. They they take what was going on in the Americana movement and then they transform what, what I call in the mid-70s as the California sound. Mm-hmm. Where th- specifically them and Fleetwood Mac also were the big artists oh. of that sound. Hey, we have a Fleetwood Mac episode. We do. <laughs> which... Um, Grant, I think that you need to to brush up on some Fleetwood Mac. Maybe I do. Because <laughs> they also have one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And it was about the same period. 1977 is when Rumors came out. Okay. That's on the ninth all-time worldwide. Wow. And I think it's like sixth in America. Sixth or seventh. Wow. So, um, but just, you know, they, this was a California-based band. Mm-hmm. So they're actually not a southern band. They're not like from... Uh, Alabama or Mrs. not like in the way that Leonard Skinner was you wouldn't classify this as southern rock because that again that flows into more of the Leonard Skinner Almond Brothers Molly Hatchet area mountain how do you tell the difference or whatever I don't even southern rock <laughs> has a lot more emphasis on rock like to where it's it's cr- it's like a harder edge to it it's harder edged it also uh, the lyrics are a bit more good old country boy. Ah, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, sweet home Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's kind of more southern rock. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Mm-hmm. That tends to be more your southern rock stuff. Um, the California sound, it's just, it's, it's centered around easy listening, um, really tight vocal harmonies, even tighter so than Americana. Um, it's just, California sound is just, you can imagine driving down the beach side with, in a convertible, and it just, it feels good. Even the sad songs just feel good. You know? Yeah, all the, all the songs on this list are like that, now that you mentioned that. mm Mm-hmm. You can just, you can, you can feel California just, like, bubbling through all of these songs. Fleetwood Mac was the same way. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because originally they were a British blues band, but then they picked up Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, who were California artists, and that's kind of when their career skyrocketed. Hmm. Okay. So that's where they fit in in that period, and I mean the Eagles were hot right out of the gate. I mean their their first album is represented on this list, right? Yes, it is. It, it's their title album. Mm-hmm. Um. On, which the song I thought it was actually like it's a pretty well represented song on the radio oh yeah I mean all of these are, well it's, I wouldn't say all of these are it's it's one of um I mean co- compared to there's others. some there's some that are more than others but I hear all six of these songs on radio there's no deep cut in this set yeah. all every single <laughs> one of these is there such thing as a deep cut eagle song 
Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> it's ones that aren't uh, singles. And every one of these yeah. songs was a hit single, not just a single, but a hit single. What's the difference? Like top ten. Okay. Now, I want to. I want to say, yeah. or maybe I think maybe the lowest. And I'm I'm looking this up right now. And, the, and there's a lot of these songs that I didn't realize were the Eagles. Yep. I just assumed it was like some '70s rock band, but they just happens to be the Eagles, I guess. Yep. that's just the way. It, um, uh, let me. I'm just. I'm looking through here just to confirm. How many hit singles they had? Well, just or that they all were hit singles. Yeah. Um, I can imagine they were. the The lowest charting one was number twelve. Wow. And they have <laughs> one, two, three, four, five number ones. Wow. Look at that. It's five more than I have. Mm-hmm. Man. So I always talk about <laughs> don't take the fact that someone has a number one single for granted. There are so many bands out there mm-hmm. that are great that never got a number one single. Mm-hmm. And they got five. Mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin never had a number one single. Well, they never... They never released singles. They never released singles. <laughs> but still, I don't think any of their songs would have gotten a number one. Just because... Yeah. You know, the only one I could maybe see them would be, like, A Whole Lot of Love. I feel like that... That wasn't... That's not a radio song, though. It's eight minutes. You don't put oh, the... Radio right. songs have to be in, like, the three to four minute category. Okay. Although, uh, there's a couple that break the rules. Like, Bohemian Rhapsody was a number one hit. Yeah, but that one was... It's a special case. Yeah, Freddie Mercury really fought for that one, I feel like. so. The whole band anyway, did. It was actually the drummer. Speaking of whole band, mm-hmm. it's my understanding that the Eagles are like the all-star band of music. Like, everybody's in the Eagles. No, I mean, they, I mean, do, have some, they do have some very famous members. Do they have a lot of members? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, like there's... They, they rotate? There's a, there was a point where they had they were a five piece band, mm-hmm. um, so we'll go ahead and start talking about who who yeah. are the Eagles. Okay, I know Joe Walsh. Yes, but he's not a founding member. He didn't come okay. until seventy six. Wow. So the, there's two there's two central figures, the two founders, and the two people that the Eagles revolves around. They're the ones writing the songs. They're the ones singing the songs, and that's Glenn Frey and Don Henley. Mm-hmm. So Glenn Fry is the uh, one of the guitar players, and Don Henley is the drummer, but they're mm-hmm. both lead singers. Uh, oh, wow. Five of the six songs in the set are sung by one of those two guys. Hmm. And the other one is... is uh... Uh, Randy Meisner, the bass player, who's another founding member. But he didn't... Did he go all the way through with them? No, no, he got he got fired Ooh. right before um, 1980 record The Long Run. Okay. Because, and we'll get to that, because the Eagles falling apart is one of the most epic collapses of a band in history. Wow. Um, So, yeah, you've got, and really impressive the way that Don Henley's a singing drummer. Yeah, well, anybody who sings and drums. I know, but man, (laughs) his voice is so good. Well, when we get to the songs, I'll kind of clarify who's singing what. Yeah. And, um, so you've got that that first lineup is is a four piece, which is Henley, um, Glenn Fry, Randy Meisner, and uh, Bernie Ledden. Who Two was, guitar players. Yeah. So he was the lead guitar player slash he would do like the banjo and 
kind of those, uh, all those which you hear very prominently in the first song we're going to talk about. So well, he's the one yeah. that plays that. And and most of these songs, like there's little parts where they'll put like an instrument for maybe like five seconds, mm-hmm. and it only appears for that five seconds of the song. It's like panned hard to the right or left or something. Yeah, and it's really quiet. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the fact that they're able to take the time to get a good take mm-hmm. for something that really is inconsequential to the song, but it being there adds so much more to like the mood of like the lyric that was just said or is about to be said or like changing the fact that we're now in like a repeating chorus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be so many examples when we get to the songs. Yeah. And I probably won't even be able to name them all. Uh-huh. But I, I like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. It's the same guy doing all that stuff. Yeah. So he's, and he's the, re- I would say more than any other member, he's the, he's the country guy of the band. He's a secret weapon. Uh-huh. Because, <laughs> um, and also just to, to a little bit of the history, the, re- the way the Eagles formed was that, have you ever heard of an artist called Linda Rodstamp? I, it rings a bell, but a very my, faint bell. My mom is a huge Linda Rodstamp fan, so I always listen to her growing up. Okay. Um, she was a, she was a kind of like a country country artist but she had you know mm-hmm. again it's not you know country as we think of it mm. but also not country in the way of like you know johnny cash like right. it's got a it's got a bit more like a bit more rock to it but i wouldn't say it's rock and roll it's just it's a bit more um solidly built than country mm. where it's not as twain and um don or not Don Henley and Glenn Fry were part of her backing band. Hmm. So that's how they got to know each other. And then they were just like, hey, what if we started our own started band? band? And then they found the other two. Uh-huh. It was, uh, Linda Ronstadt was the one that suggested them. It's just like, hey, these guys, Randy Meisner, uh, I, I always forget. Uh, <laughs> Bernie Ledden. Bernie Ledden. I actually didn't look at my page here, I remembered it. Bernie Ledden. She was the one that was just like, hey, check these guys out. These guys will be a great addition to your band. Hmm. Okay. And, the other, and the other thing about the Eagles is that everyone in the band sings. Not necessarily they all sing lead, but all the harmonies and just like... Yeah, which... It's a prerequisite. You have to be able to sing well and sing tightly in that group in order to be in, in the Eagles. And you can really see that when they do like these complex harmonies mm-hmm. that... It, it's kind of a staple of these songs that they'll do like major triads and stuff. They love major triads in vocal harmony. Yeah, and they're they're one of the <laughs> they're one of the greatest blend of vocals yeah. in music history. It, it sounds like it's one guy uh-huh. doing all the parts. Like they're they're up there with Queen and um, I could think of some other ones where just it's this group of people where the blending is just so good, like the Bee Gees or mm-hmm. to where it's just iconic sounding. And just like so perfectly put together, Journey is another one I think of. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, mm-hmm. they knew how to get the right voices together. Good. So wow. we Obviously, we yeah. get to the album one of these nights, and that's when we've got the introduction of a third guitar player with Don Felder. Okay. And so that's when we they transition to becoming a five piece and that's the point when they really start to take control that's when they, the number one hits start coming in <laughs> and because now they got three guitars to mess around with. Mm-hmm. and you feel them moving more away from the country 
aspect and and more towards the rock and roll side right okay and that's when um bernie ledden starts to become increasingly more frustrated because he wants to be you know part of a country group it's what it's where his this is this is the uh the the original lead guitarist yeah okay and now co-lead guitarist and so he quits eventually Mm. just because he's like i don't want to um, I don't want to continue in this direction. This is where Joe Walsh comes This is in. where Joe Walsh comes <laughs> ah, in. So they grab him, where he came in. Okay. and he's the one that comes in for Hotel California, which is like, oh, which is wow. the, the big smash record. Yeah. Wow. And just the moment when they become the... That was a bad time to leave the band. Well, no, they wouldn't have been <laughs> able to make that record without Joe Walsh's guitar playing. That's it's, true. It's, That's true. The album needed him as the guitar player to get to that level. So, um, yeah. Even he, though he didn't write the songs, he just he wrote it. He, he came up with a lot of the riffs. Okay. Which we'll, we'll talk about specifically when we get to some of those songs. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a key contributor to some of the big songs. Mm-hmm. But, again, he wasn't a lyric writer, at least not with the Eagles. He wrote a song here or there, but... Glenn Fry and Don Henley were the main songwriters. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's the point when they became the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And of course, once once you do that, that comes with its own set of problems. <laughs> it's when it's when the drugs really start to take yep. its toll. Yep. The relentless touring schedule. Yep. The uh, the fame of just constantly being hounded everywhere you go. And um, just, you know, that's the point when they just started to attack each other. Mm. And so... Just because they got on each other's nerves for being around each other all the time? Yeah, particularly the big, the worst came... First off, Randy Meisner got fired because he mm. just, he couldn't handle it anymore. He kind of had a nervous breakdown. And so, um, I've got a... Is that the other guitarist? No, he was no. the bass player. Bass player. Kind of keep the name straight. Mm-hmm. And that's when they brought in um, uh, Timothy B. Schmidt. For that who, last album. plays on the long run. He's been their bass player ever since. But that was, all, that was all the, the last through album. Through all the reunions. Of the, of the, the classic of the era. Classic so era. he does play on one of the songs in this set. Okay. Um, and is also a great singer. Hmm. And so he... Uh, so they got him... And he was like really excited. He's just like, yeah, I'm in the Eagles now. And then like they break up one album later. And he's just like, crap, it's just getting started. Uh, uh, but the biggest beef came between um, Don Felder and Glenn Fry. Who were the original guys? No, no. Don Felder was the guitarist that came halfway through on one of these Gotcha. Guys. And then Glenn Fry's the... Is one the, of the founding, yeah. The guitar founding member. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to try to keep these. Names I know, yeah. Out. There's a lot of guitar players. I would <laughs> say that's what they go through the most. They've yeah, only yeah. ever had one drummer. They've had two bases. They've had two bass players, and they've had one. A bajillion guitar players. Two, three, four, and just in the classic period. Wow, I'm, I'm sure they've. And they've then in the in, in the reunion, quote unquote, period. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, Glenn, and you know that Glenn Fry is no longer alive. He died, and he was part of that. That crazy 2016 period oh, where all right. these big musicians were dying. He died like two weeks after David Bowie did. Mm. Which uh, my mother-in-law was like crying because the Eagles is her all-time favorite band. Mm. 
And at that time, I didn't even know who Glenn Fry was. All I knew was that Don Henley was part of the Eagles. Yeah, see, all I've known before now is Joe Walsh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, of course, he also had a solo career after they broke yes, up. And he... I'm sure the rest of them kind of tried that, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Don Henley had the biggest solo career. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. It was... Like, we're, we're, we'll, we could do a whole episode just on his solo career, because it was huge. My dad is a, particularly a big fan of his solo career. Glenn Fry had a pretty great solo career. Uh, Joel Walsh had a really great one. So, I mean, like, they all did pretty well. And then Timothy Schmidt just ended up being, like, a pro session bass player. Just any band that was like, hey, we need someone to tour with us. Mm-hmm. He just He was always busy. So none of these guys ended up hurting for work. Um, But, you know, when the Eagles got back together, it ended up being a pretty big thing. Mm -hmm. Because the the tour was called Hell Freezes Over, because that's what they would always say when people ask them, when are the Eagles going to get back together? When Hell Freezes Over? (laughs) Well, guess what? It froze over. Because, I mean, just it got that bad. Because they just... Touring with each other. They just hated each other's guts. Yeah. It wasn't for, like, any actual, like climactic event yeah well i mean there was there was one show that just like was the straw that broke the camel's back where um they were playing some kind of benefit Mm. show like for like a like a politician or something okay and um you can you can hear it's a really awkward performance because like don felder and glenn fryer are like fighting each other on stage verbally and like you know cutting into each other's parts and um you there they recorded what the what the conversation was like backstage and they were just like you can hear or even like when they were off the mics and they're talking to each other and they're just like i'm gonna f and kill you once i get off stage and you know you're never gonna play in this business again like they just i mean it's brutal but they played together eventually yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, although I would say, because Don Felder's not with them anymore, because he just they ended up falling out again. Mm-hmm. But and then of course, you know, when you've got two strong personalities like Glenn Fry and Don Henley that are the creative controls of the band, they ultimately were starting to disagree um, creatively, and and the whole process of making the long run. It was like a three year recording process. Wow. They ended up calling it the long one because they were just like, we're never going to finish this album. Mm-hmm. That also did not help with all the tensions. Right. They said that that's like the most miserable recording experience they'd ever had. Just because there was all this expectation after Hotel California was huge. They were, they were having writer's block and, right. um, you know, they were having trouble just hammering out the performances but it was still a massive record when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like, yeah, we're not together anymore after that tour. Wow. But, um, yeah, so was there anything else you were wanting to, to, to get into during this I, section? You know, I think we have a lot to talk about for the songs. Yes, we and do. And I don't think we can go much farther without going to that. So I'm ready to get to the songs. All right, so we'll go ahead and take a brief break here. When we come back, we're going to be going into detail in the six songs that we've picked, so stay tuned.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about the Eagles and their rise and fall of their classic era. And now it's time to talk about the six songs for this episode. So, Mm -hmm. Lucas, what do we mean by that? So, for those of you that are tuning in to us for the first time, um, the reason why we spend a segment talking about some specific songs is to have a concrete way of being able to describe their music, their songwriting style... Um, to dig deep, to talk about, you know, some just specific things, as well as if you're listening to this and you've never listened to the Eagles before, or in Grant's case, you didn't think you had. <laughs> yeah. Um, these six songs are going to be your best first taste of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me picking their six best songs or their six most popular ones, but rather like what songs are going to be your best first step. Mm-hmm. As well as I'm picking songs that transition well off each other. The songs have an emotional flow from start to finish. They transition well um, and that there's a big cathartic moment at the end of the set. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm also putting them in a very specific order. And so that's kind of everything that I'm accomplishing. And the way that you can listen to these songs is in the uh, description of the episode, there's a link to a Spotify playlist. And if you're listening on Spotify, you don't even have to change apps. Look at that, wow. Which is really great. <laughs> so um, go check it out, especially if you've never heard these songs before, or even if you have. Listening to them in this order may just give you a brand new experience with them. Yes. So I believe that we can go ahead and get started with our first song, which... Is all I mean, I think this might be my favorite song of the set. Uh, I didn't want to make this my favorite song because I always pick the first as my favorite. I know. Um, but I found one in the set that I like more. So it isn't my favorite song, but it was very, very close. Yeah. I'm I just liked all these songs. It was a hard decision. I know. This is one I'm just like... This was just a good set overall. I feel like this is the one that I just, I find myself singing along to the yeah. most afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the song's Take It Easy. Yes. Which I think is also a good way to start it off because it is the first song off their first album, and it was yeah. the first single they ever released. Wow, look at that. And their first single went all the way up to number 12. It's the lowest charting single on this. This is the lowest charting. Huh? But I don't think that that's a, um, a knock on the song. I think that no. if this is a song that would have been released while they were already well-known, this would have been a number one hit. Easy. Yeah. It's just, you know... What what band hits number one the first song out of the gate? Um, I don't think it is. Ha- this a trivia question? I'm no, sure no, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm sure there is one, but I think that it's very rare. Yeah, okay. And I think usually if that happens, it means either they're going to burn out very quickly. Yeah, or it's you know some instrumental person in the band was like already known to where people have an expectation and are looking forward to it. Mm, yeah. Um. Yes, so this song establishes a lot of Eagles' uh, little nuances that they like to do, uh-huh. especially the major triad 
vocal harmony. Yes. So, yeah, everything you need to know about the, the Eagles is in the song. Yeah, and, and it's not right up front. I mean, normally your first song in the set, usually the way you've constructed sets in the past, it's like as soon as the first whatever chord note voice thing, um, I don't know, hits, you instantly know what kind of band you're dealing with. And, and you, to an extent, do, but there's still, as you go through this song, you realize more and more things like mm -hmm. that banjo part i think it's like it's probably like the second or third verse uh-huh when you hear a banjo in like the right channel mm -hmm. you hear Just, it very well in the guitar solo yeah that's true that's true and then there's that too and this this isn't just like your pop country half rock soft rock thing you know yeah it's just there's it, there's yeah it, it just sounds like the eagles it doesn't really I, yeah, sound anything like it like anything else yeah you can't but music like this you wouldn't expect to have a guitar solo yeah in my opinion uh-huh but um, it works but it does work and it's it's not it's not like a wild guitar solo it's like all over the place mm -hmm. it just serves the song i think ghost honestly when i think of this kind of guitar solo because yep. their guitar solos aren't wild they very much serve the song yeah and that's something to appreciate because i know I'm a guitarist who likes to go overboard more than lay back mm -hmm. on solos. That's just sometimes. what you listen to. That's what I, well, but that's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. And they're comfortable with laying back in places where it may subtract from like the banjo that's in mm -hmm. one channel, yeah. or maybe the uh, vocal harmony that's over the solo, mm -hmm. or the band that's underneath because that groove underneath is really nice in California, like you said in the first segment. Yeah. Um, and it's got a it's got a nice lyrical theme too. Mm -hmm. I think a very normal Eagles theme of just kind of take it easy, you know. Uh huh. So, so um, this is Glenn Fry singing this song. Oh yeah, we're talking about specifics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the one that wrote it. Well, he finished the song. I I believe this was a Jackson Brown song first. Right. Jackson Brown and Glenn Fry used to share an apartment together when they were both like trying to make it big mm -hmm. and glenn fry said that he learned how to write songs from jackson brown oh, wow. and um he said that he got that jackson brown got all the way up to i was standing on a corner in winslow arizona and he didn't know where to take it from there oh really huh? and so glenn got a hold of it and finished out the song um it's hmm. a girl my lord in a flatbed for slowing down to take, take a, a look, look at me. me it's that's a great lyric <laughs> um and yeah, wow. Absolutely perfect for the song. Yeah. And um, I think that, and I had heard that, you know, the reason why, you know, this song made such an impact from an unknown band was just like, this was in 73, um, the United States was in big turmoil. We're on the tail end of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, we're having all of these political and civil leaders being assassinated throughout mm -hmm. the 60s and early 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, Watergate is going on at this time, and it's just like a a song that just tells you to take it easy and just feels so good. I think that people were like searching for that. Yeah. And so you know, because the song is is not say it's saying that like you know there's there's tons of stuff going on. Like he's saying I got a world of trouble on my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Seven women on my mind, four yeah. that want to own me, two that want to stone me, one says she's a friend of mine. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know... <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, it's just about, you know, you've got to 
don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. You just, yeah. You, you just, just, it'll be okay. Just lay back. Take it easy. Take it easy. And, I mean, that's such a California thing, too. <laughs> yeah. It is. California people are the most laid back. Like, I've got a good friend uh, that was born and raised in California. He mm. lives here now. And he's, like, one of the nicest, most laid back guys I've ever known. <laughs> Everything is just like, yeah, man, it's no problem, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, that's the California credo. Right. And so... Um, that's, I think, that's also why it, it evokes that state and that feeling so much, mm-hmm. you know. And this song literally is about driving, and it's about, yeah. I've been running down the road trying to loosen my load. It's just, you know, it's, uh, maybe he's not driving, but it's it's on the road. It's a, it's a road song. I think that's mm-hmm. why it, the, the, the image of just driving down the highway, down the beachside, is just such a powerful feeling you get. Something mm-hmm. that I want to do someday. I've never driven down the California oh, yeah. highway before. I would love to do it sometime. Yeah, me too. And listen, and the Eagles is probably a, a <laughs> band that I would put and on. Put on the Eagles. Yeah, no, that's. I agree. That would be an experience. Mm-hmm. Kind of like something out of Forrest Gump. Yeah, I feel like this is a song that belongs in that movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe it is. I'd have to look at the soundtrack. It's, it's gotta be. Anyway. I feel like something from the Eagles is from... It's gotta be. Is in Forrest Gump. I mean, somebody that influential... I don't know. I guess I'll have to rewatch the movie now. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave um, me a good reason to go watch Forrest Gump again. <laughs> uh, is there anything else in the song that's popping uh, out at you? No, I just... I like it. It's short. It's poppy. It's got the pop structure. It goes to the chorus very quickly. Um, very catchy. Nice to sing along with. Mm-hmm. California feel. Yeah. So then, Nothing else to say about that yet. So we're gonna we're gonna move from the first album of the classic era to the last album of the classic era. Oh, and this is a uh, oh, I think I know which one this is. The title track of oh, the long of run. The long run. The yeah. long run. <laughs> uh, it's also the song that starts off the record. Uh, this one's a little bit more kind of funky. Yeah. I guess. So this is you can definitely tell that they've gone through a lot of change mm-hmm. by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still sounds like them. Yep. It still's got the kind of the California like feel to it, even though it's not as much kind of the open strum acoustic guitars. Yeah. But it's still the take it easy, laid back mm-hmm. playing. I um, used to worry a lot. I yep. used to hurry a lot. And the same lyrical theme. And so. it's just it's talking about uh, are we going to make it? Well, we'll find out in the long run. Let's not worry about it now. Yeah. You know, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get to it. It, yeah, it kind of reminds of, me of Roll the Bones. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, no, because Roll the Bones is kind of a very cynical song. Roll the Bones says is telling you, you have no control over your life. Your entire existence is just a roll of the dice. You may okay. you may get something okay. good, you may get something bad. It kind of reminds me of Roll the Bones. Because okay. that's total Neil Peart is just like such a cynical way of looking at the universe. But yeah. in somehow a an uplifting way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Some like I'm never depressed when I hear it, but at the same time he's like saying just like life is random. <laughs> Existence is random. There's no point to it. Yeah. Um anyway. But anyway, this was this was a this was a huge hit. This is number eight single. Wow. And um this this I think you can just 
even though this is a laid back, good feeling song, I think that this kind of plays into where they were as a band at the time. Again, kind of saying that the long run was the long one. They even say that in the chorus. Mm -hmm. It's a long one. The song is so fun to sing along to. Oh, yeah. And um, you can just, again, yeah, you can hear the new influence because Joel Walsh is with them at this point. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he's playing on this song along with Don Felder and uh, Glenn Fry. And, yeah, Don Henley's voice is just so good on this song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what what sticks out to you in this song? Um, well, I mean, like I mentioned, the fact that it's more funky. Mm -hmm. They're more now focused on when they're not playing than when they are. Which There's is, a lot of which, great um, space in this song. Yes. And so, like, for example, the, like the electrical guitar... Uh, electrical guitars. <laughs> the electric... The, oh, my goodness. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard I you say. I play electric guitar, and I said electrical guitar. Okay, the electric <laughs> guitars will just play like a ba-dum. Mm-hmm. Ba-dum. And that, they won't, like, ring it out or anything. That dry open on the drums. Yeah, and... and all of the all of the members of the band are laying back to let the parts of the other members kind of shine through, which is really weird to think about when they were fighting each other during this time. Yeah, but um, sometimes tension brings out really great music. Fleetwood Mac is is a prime example of that. Maybe, maybe. Um, but sometimes you know, it destroys a band. And sometimes insane anger. You know? Yeah, so I was about to say. Sometimes you get a rumor. Sometimes you get a sane anger. <laughs> You know, depends uh, on the band. That's my... That, I quote that album every time I want to talk about a bad album. Yeah, um, that's so, that's even though I actually kind of like it a little bit. I mean, but anyway, no. That's a whole discussion not, for a whole it. other episode. And we already had a Metallica episode, so we're going to have to wait for volume two. Yeah. But anyway. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah, so they kind of lay back for the other instruments to kind of shine through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that you can't do without experienced songwriting yes you can tell at this point they yeah. they know how to write a song they, they couldn't have done it on their first album no to the extent that they did in the long run mm -hmm. which i mean they were already dang good on that first record oh yeah no they, they were great. but i mean you can just tell that feeling. they're on another level by this point and, and that's that's the big biggest thing that i noticed um other than i think they aren't doing as much major triad stuff. Mm -hmm. They're still doing a lot of vocal harmonies. Um, no, it wouldn't be the Eagles you know, if It they wouldn't weren't. be the Eagles if they weren't. But, um, for example, like, uh, in, in the uh, chorus, you know, there's maybe just, like, a harmony up a third instead of up a third and up a fifth. Uh-huh. So, um, which is really interesting, because I would think that as a band would get bigger... And more experience in their recording, they would want to put little smaller, quieter nuances in there, kind of like they did on "Take It Easy with the Banjo." Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and Which, I'm sure there's some in here I just haven't. Picked yeah, up on and yet. it could be also that you know that's that's the sign of the fracture that's going on at that point. Maybe because apparently they like just they would they would make the record, then they scrap it all and start again, and they just did that several times. So, sucks. You mean there's Eagles music that we haven't heard? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's if it was the same songs that they just like 
kept going back to square one on or if they were completely different songs. I don't know. Mm. Um, but, you know, this was still a number one record. And it was the, it was the third uh, and three in a row during that period. Mm. And then their comeback album also went to number one in 2007. But I don't, I'm not talking about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, just I haven't really even listened to it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being on the same level as the classic records. No. Those albums never are. There's no way. There's no way. But I mean, you know, the the public consciousness had no idea that the Eagles were on their last leg. Hmm. Just, I mean, to them, it was business as usual. They had they had a, a different number one single off that album, which we're not talking about in this episode, but mm. I'm sure we'll do in a volume two. Mm. Um, but, I mean, you know, from the sound of the song, it just seems like, oh yeah, this is another hit Eagles record. Mm-hmm. A great way to start the album. And I think a good way to just kind of continue the... The, the groove while also introducing oh, some new yeah. elements while we're still on that road theme yes <laughs> we got uh this song that i didn't know was an eagle song yeah it's life in the fast lane right? mm-hmm. and and this is this off hotel california yes it is i thought so because there's kind of a bit of joe walsh stuff in there so this uh, joe walsh was the was the uh the originator of this song that opening guitar <laughs> that line Apparently that's like just a warm up he was doing, and Glenn oh, heard it cool. and went, "Wait, play that again!" And he did that, and he was just like, "We can make a song around that." Yeah, and so and that kind of does is what it sounds like because the rest of the song is super simple, mm-hmm. and that that part is probably the most complicated part until we get to the fifth song. That's probably the most complicated part in any of these songs. Yeah, I would say guitar. I would say so. Um, even from Joe Walsh, you mm-hmm. know, who who builds those complicated guitar parts, especially for that era. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> this is another one sung by Don Henley. She had the he had the great rock voice of the band, I think. Just, uh, yeah. So yeah, there sounds like a little bit of effects on there on mm-hmm. his voice. Maybe some kind of chorusing. I don't know. And by this point, Glenn was starting to sing less and less. But that was not out of, like, Don Henley taking control of the band. I heard Glenn say this. He was just like, if you notice, I'm singing less and less. And you might think it's because, you know, I'm losing control of the band. But I'm just, in my mind, I was thinking, why would I sing when we have Don Henley? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, Glenn Fry's a great vocalist. Mm-hmm. But, man, Don Henley just has such an iconic voice. And it's just so good-sounding. That's why yeah. he had such a great solo career. Not only was he a great songwriter, but he just, he had that voice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. this And this is, I would say, the most rock and roll of all the songs on the set. Yes. As far as just, like, pure rock and roll. Like, it's, it's this is this is a blues number. There's yeah. no country in this. Mm-hmm. It's built around the guitar riff. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of a bit of distortion to it. There's kind of some drive to the guitar. Darker uh, lyrics. Yeah, the whole, that's true. So the whole life in the fast lane being a metaphor for just, like, your life spiraling out of control. Yeah, and you can't live life in the fast lane. Mm-hmm. Not for very long, at least. Um, which, if we if we want to talk about specific parts in the song, we can go ahead and go to that bridge. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's called The Bridge. Lyrically? The, no, not lyrically. Oh, okay. Mixing-wise, it, it fits the lyrics mm-hmm. because they're saying life in the fast lane. And they got, like, some, I think it's a flanger going across um, the, uh, it's, it's kind of panned, I think, um, on the vocals. When oh, on the, in, the end, in the end section? Yeah, when it goes, bah, life in the, and there's, like, the effect on it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the, the effect of a car driving past you. Yeah. So, I like that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, Glenn, Glenn Fry was the one that wrote the lyrics to this song. And his way of writing lyrics is typically he would come across a great song title, and he would kind of try and come up with a song around it. Oh, man, that's the hardest way to do it. I know, but that's just the way it always came to him. That's how he would get the idea for a song, is he would hear a good phrase or a good hook of someone would say, and he would go, ooh, I could make a song about that. So he was, at this point, you know, even before they hit mega big, you know, one of these nights, the album before was a monster huge record. Mm -hmm. It was more that Hotel California just kind of like solidified that just like, okay, this isn't a band that's, you know, that's spent all their tricks. This is a band that's going to be one of the all times. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, you know, at this point they were just like crazy into cocaine and... (laughs) And all the things that come with being a 70s rock star. Yeah. And he was with kind of one of those nightlife guys. Mm-hmm. And they were like going 90 down the, the highway. Mm-hmm. And Glenn said that he was scared out of his mind. And the driver just like, this is life in the fast lane, man. Mm. And he said right in that moment, he was just like, I gotta write a song about that as soon as if I survive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. I think it... Because I've also heard that the entire Hotel California album is the um, is the transition from innocence to experience. That's the way I heard Don Henley put it. That I would agree, actually. And, I mean, and based off this, list. and just that that's the whole the whole theme of the album. Like it's not a concept album, but it kind of is if you're looking at the deep underlying themes of all the songs mm-hmm. of just you know about you know you're starting off in this in this naive place and by the end of it you've gone through some crap mm-hmm. and you're coming out with a lot of life experience for better or for worse mm-hmm. and life in the fast lane you see in the in the verses there's an escalation going on um oh yeah no there is you're right so you you just start off with um with i guess like a a, a thrilling romance kind of some mm-hmm. two people that are probably not the best fit for each other but the mm-hmm. passion is there mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, just kind of these, these mega people just yeah. kind of getting together. And then the second verse, that's lines on the mirror, lines mm-hmm. on her face. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, talking about, and then the third verse yeah. is all about the inevitable crash that's coming. Yeah. And just about how once you're, once you're in the fast lane, it's very hard to get out of it. Because, I mean, right. if you think about it, if you were trying to exit, you're in the lane farthest from it. Yeah. And if you're trying to get off fast, you're likely going to hit something. Yeah. So, and and it's ironic because it's kind of, they were spelling out what was happening in their own lives at that point. Their crash yeah. their crash was not too far off in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. Where just everything that was weighing down, pushing down on them, they were just, they were going so fast in that period. Mm-hmm. Um, especially once that album came out and they 
hit that that final top echelon. I mean, just it was show after show after show after right. show, and so much cocaine. <laughs> and oh my goodness! I mean, it's just it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. No, you, there's a reason why so many of those seventy bands just didn't make it out of the seventies. Right. It's because it was just that lifestyle. Usually they, they had to go through, either they died or they had to go through a rebirthing process if they were going to have any kind of longevity, kind of in the way Aerosmith did. Hmm. Where it's, you know, that, that old version of the band had to die and they had to kind of figure out how to move on. You know, hmm. Elton John was able to do it. Hmm. David Bowie was able to do it. You know, so... Yeah, I I think that it's I think thematically it's an interesting song. I think it's yeah. a good turning point in the set to where you know we've got these two feel good easy songs and now we're kind of yeah seeing the, seeing the other side of the Eagles. Yes, yeah, it is a good turning point song because but yet at the same time the song yeah. is fun. It doesn't get no, you depressed. It it's just it's kind of one of those yeah rock and roll songs. It, it's kind of one of those songs that I can see like. Some band playing at like an outdoor event, like Mayfest or something. I think and it'd be a cool song to put in our Area Fifty Two set. I think that that'd be. A- I, I would agree with you. It kind but of it's, it it's kind almost fits with what too. We play. It's almost too. I don't want to say old. I don't want to say old. It's too laid back. Um, but opinion. we could, but we could rock it out. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's one of those that's a discussion that, for another time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about this after we stop recording. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so then let's go ahead and move on to the next song yes. from the One of These Nights albums. So this is uh, Lion Eyes, right? Yes. Yeah. I can't um, remember if it's the full You Can't Hide Your Lion Eyes. It's just Lion Eyes. Lion Eyes. This was a number two hit, so this wow. almost made it to number one. This this is another, we talked last episode about Prince and the Little Red Corvette being a quotable around mm-hmm. my house. This is yeah. another one. Can't Hide Your Lion Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, when you're a kid, you think you can get away with lying to your parents. Mm-hmm. And every time my mom would know that I'm lying, she would sing that. And yeah. I'm like, well, crap. Man, this, is, this, this song just tells an epic story. <laughs> it actually does. It's a, yeah. it's, it's, it's like you could almost make a whole movie out of that. And again, yeah. this is another one that Glenn Fry wrote that he literally just, he had that line. Uh, he, he said, she can't hide her lion eyes. And that's when that's, and he said that. Because he was in a bar, and mm-hmm. he saw, um, there's like two different versions of what the inspiration was. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he saw like, you know, a rich older dude, and a younger lady that was with him. And it was just like, it was obvious that she didn't love him, that she was just married to him for the money. And he was just like, man, she can't hide her lion eyes. And that, he said, right in that moment, he like wrote the lyrics out on a, like, on cocktail napkins. Wow. Because it just, it hit him right at that moment. And he was just like, I have to write this down now. Mm. Whether or not he went and that back is and, kind of the story of the song, too. Yeah. I mean, he goes a lot deeper into it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting to see, it's just like that, that way of her lion eyes, it, it changes mm-hmm. through each verse. And it's kind of a long song. It's it is. Of, it it's, a, it's a six-minute song. It doesn't sound like it's long because each verse is long, and so structurally it's kind of a normal length. Yeah, it's just, yeah, each verse is really... But it's like you get you really get wrapped up in the story mm-hmm. of this song. Especially the last verse. It's like three times as long or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Because it's that big, like, climactic end of, yeah. like, 
you know, mm-hmm. this is what my life is now. Yep. So, anyway. Yeah. So, long story. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, this is a song that I think, this is them at their lyrical best. Really? I think. I mean, I'm not saying that this is the best lyrically, but like, this was the period when they're just their lyrics were just on point. Also, Glenn Fry sings this song. Mm-hmm. And um, that one of these nights album, I think actually from front to back is their best album. Even though Hotel California is the bigger one because it had, I guess, more of the mega hits. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the album I just enjoy listening to all the way through. Right. It's just it's loaded with great songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lion Eyes is, is high up there. Um, and then just like there's really nothing crazy at all going on instrumentally. This is a very laid back song. There's yeah. no solos. There's just there's a bit of like a guitar line there, like a guitar hook. Uh huh. Yeah, a hook. Yeah. I just butchered that, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you're talking about that. Some some slide guitar going on. Yeah, and it and it's trying to bring forward the story it's it's by like simplifying the it's you can tell that that's the that's the focus of the song is the words and and this is another song where they where it's a notable point where they add one instrument for like three seconds mm-hmm. and it's uh and i can't remember um i can't think of what it is i, I can't remember the lyric but there's like i think it's either the right channel or the it's, i think it's hard right uh-huh. Um, where it's like a ukulele that goes like... Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know. Oh. I don't know what instrument that is, but ah. it's it's something you hear like in The Godfather. Oh, it's gotta it's gotta be like a like a classical guitar. Yeah, I or some. It's, I can't think of what that instrument. It's a stringed is. instrument. Uh huh. But, but it's whatever. not a ukulele. And so I was like, it kind of added to maybe like the a mandolin or lyric. something. Yeah, like probably that. a mandolin. You're probably right about that. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. But it. It emphasized that one line, and that's all it needed because nothing else changed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the whole the whole band, the, the the purpose of the music in this song is to enhance the story. Yeah, the story is the front and center of this song. It's a musical. Mm-hmm. It's the purpose is a musical. Yep, <laughs> and it's a really really good one. This was almost my favorite because of the the story aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we still have yet to get to my favorite. Oh. Hmm. And both of both of the last songs were serious contenders, actually. Yeah, so. I kind of I kind of have a feeling I know which one it's going to be. All right, and I think it's going to be the one that I initially wouldn't think it would be. Really? So okay, let's go ahead and see if it's this next one here. <laughs> it is this next one. Oh, okay, then I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to pick this one to be my favorite song, but because it's cliche, because it's so cliche, but it it really is kind of. My favorite one. It's got the really complicated Joe Walsh guitar work, both at the intro and the outro. He doesn't play the intro. Oh my god. That's Don Felder. I don't even care. It's a great intro. Don Felder <laughs> wrote that intro. So, Hotel California. That's, that's yes, the next song yeah, on the list. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. we're probably going to talk a long time about this song. Oh, we, this is one of those songs. This is, this, one, this is one of those Stairway to Heaven, Freebird, mm-hmm. I'd even put Bohemian All Along Rhapsody. the Watchtower and, the, and One. In this category, mm-hmm. this is just an epic that transcends the band itself. Yeah, it's one of those songs that's just, it's become, it's almost like it's like a meme now, where it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's one of those songs that it's, it has its own 
mythology and reputation surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, I was over at somebody's apartment, and somebody picked, uh, like, up a guitar, and I'm like, hey, play Hotel California. He goes, and we sing Hotel California. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone in the room knows the song. It's such a great chord progression. And it's, I, I, I can't even place it, but I feel like that's an actual progression. That, that, that they stole from something. Oh. I don't know. Maybe. But it sounds so know. familiar. Maybe so. it's just the way that they wrote it. It's mm-hmm. meant to sound familiar. Like, there's such good flow between the chords. Yeah. Um, which is cool as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is this is, this originated from Don Felder. Okay. So he just, he was noodling around and just came up with that chord progression, that intro specifically, and put it on an A track and... Gave it to the band, said, hey, I recorded this, mm-hmm. you know, could we do something with it? And they were like, yeah, this, could, it's, this could be a song. It's the same chord progression over and over and over, except for the chorus, the chorus. uh-huh. Um, like the bridge, that, that kind of quiet breakdown part, the intro, the solo, mm-hmm. all of it, same progression. Yeah. Kind of like um, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it kind of gives me that feel, even though I've heard that song like once <laughs> yeah um, in that prince video i think in that, that prince video that you showed me yeah, yeah. you know um, who does that song right what that originally is oh that's the, is that george harrison yeah but it's the beatles okay it was one of the songs he wrote while in the beatles okay it was on the white album there you go um but yeah this is this song just and it's one of those songs because it's like no one knows what it's actually about mm-hmm. and so there's so, there's many, so people. many people it, yeah there's That's why I've, I put it with with all along the watchtower and stairway to heaven. And, I've I've heard just people say that it's like it's about purgatory, that it's like a satanic song. Mm. Um, but then I've heard people say that it's like it's a commentary on Hollywood and fame and California in of itself. And um, I think that that's probably more what it is. And I'm just gonna go with because Don Henley is just like. He says that he enjoys, and that's why he never wants to actually, like, say specifically what it is. Because he's mm. like, I just enjoy hearing people come up with their own meanings for it. That is cool. I've always wanted to write lyrics like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's unclear. Like, you know what it is. And if you were to tell somebody, it'd be like, whoa, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, mind mind blown kind yeah. of makes all makes sense now. Mm-hmm. But, um no, it's just, it's it's so puzzling, and yeah, I've tried to figure it out too. I've I've been I've stared for hours at mm-hmm. the lyrics of this song, trying to figure. I've out heard people it say is. that it's about divorce. Which I, I don't. I don't. Think I don't it know. Is. I don't think it is either. Um, I I think I maybe that the probably the most likely explanation is that it's it's about fame and in the in the, the Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah. Just about, you know, but man. The closest explanation I can get to it is is prostitution, actually. Mm. Actually. I mean, I have... I mean, it could be. It could be. That's the thing. Like, it could be it anything. It could be. Oh, my God. Who knows? It's equally Who knows as likely what the song is actually about. It could be about his favorite kinds of cheese. I mean, for all we know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah, have we actually done, like, a lyric analysis of, like, the first letter of each word <laughs> shut up <laughs> he would be hey okay whatever <laughs> anyway i feel like that would be anyway whatever we can go on and on about the lyrics um 
But this song is kind of special to me and my sister because uh, she once dated a guy who said his favorite song was Hotel California. And he would always play Hotel California. And then she asked him one time, do you know any other song? And he said, no. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's easier and, songs and to learn. <laughs> no, no, not learn. Like, actually, no. Like, listen to. Like, oh, he only... Oh, that's even worse. The only song he knew, he couldn't name another song. And in his defense, he's like one of... He was one of those guys that was, like, really into, like, his studies. He was, like, an engineering physics major. And so he's, like, really academic. And he wasn't very musical-minded. <laughs> okay. Just, okay. I had to mention that because That's when funny. I saw this on the list, every time I I um, hear that song or play this song or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, I think about him not knowing any other song. <laughs> um, I mean, I really guess funny. I guess if you had to pick one song, if you had to pick to one know, song, there's to... there's a lot worse you could go with. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this, is... this song is just musically so good. Yes. It's one of those songs you just, again, you kind of have to put out of your mind that this is, like, one of the biggest songs ever made. Yeah. And just when you listen to it, I'm just like, this is just a song. Yeah. And you take away all of the baggage that comes with this song. Yeah. There's a lot of people that... I know that hate this song. Really? Just because of the fact that this... Because it's overplayed. That and, sounds like something I would say. And, yeah. <laughs> which I was surprised. That's That was maybe what was leaning into my thinking of maybe you would pick the other song because mm -hmm. you would think, uh, this, this song is so it, overdone. It, in my opinion, a good song being overplayed is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's good that the truly great songs got remembered like that. Like, right. I think the same thing of Bohemian Rhapsody. And, and, or just like, yeah. you know, I'm, if you're going to pick songs to overplay, pick the truly great ones. Yeah. And this is one of the truly great songs yeah. and, and of the 70s. It's one of those songs that, you're right, you have to kind of put it out of your mind that this is like a amazing song and listen to it. It's just another song. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it grows on you. You know, I watched a watch mojo thing of like the top 10 guitar solos all all time this was like number one or two or something i'm sure yeah it's it's, it's up there with it's up there an icon iconic stature with free bird right. and stairway to heaven and, and, and comfortably numb and comfortably numb and free bird i like those but when i first heard you know this one and stairway to heaven i was kind of underwhelmed because i was expecting you know the big grandiose level of like comfortably numb yeah and i didn't get it but it's, As I listen to the song more and more, I appreciate the little things that I'm sure Joe Walsh does this. So well, much. no, it's a it's a it's a guitar duel. Oh my god, so it's, it's, it's even better. It's oh Joe god. Walsh and Don Felder trading off licks with each other. I want to say that Felder goes first, and then Walsh comes in after, and they they just go back and forth. That makes sense because there's little parts where like they'll play over each other in, like, a mm -hmm. guitar harmony. Especially yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Um, they said uh, they said that um, coming up with that part was, like, their favorite part of the whole recording process because they were just like, yeah, this this that descending triplet. That's iconic. Absolutely iconic. And Which, so yeah, great. They could have done the generic thing of do the four, you know, where mm -hmm. you go down and then back up. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they did the descent kind of adds that little rhythmic difference to it. Mm -hmm. um, it was a good choice. Yeah. 
It was a good choice. So yeah, go now listen to that song again and just and and pick out the pick fact. out the two guitars. Uh huh. They sound exactly the same. They must be using like the same. I'm sure that they. Rig. I'm sure that they worked hard to make it not like super. Because when you have two lead guitarists in a band, you kind of have to have them sound fairly similar. The difference is going to be more in the style that they play rather than the sound. Because you know, whenever they play stuff together, it's got to be compatible. I don't know. I mean, Judas Priest, they kind of sound different. A little bit, to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess anyway. in a sense of just, you know. But, I mean, now... The way you... they play, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, you can on, you can tell which parts Joe Walsh is playing, because it's just, it's got that, that blue... Like, when he does that part where he's bending the note and he's slowly... I knew that was Joe Walsh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah... Um, I think Joe Walsh was on a... Have you ever watched Life at Daryl's House? Yes, I have. But yes. No, I haven't watched the one with... I've, it's actually been popping up on my YouTube feed. There was a there was a Joe Walsh episode. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they did actually play the song. I'm not sure. I know they played Life in the Fast Lane and Life's Been Good to Me so mm-hmm. far. But Probably Rocky Mountain Way. Probably, but... That was his other really that's big solo keep, hit. That's why I keep mentioning Joe Walsh is because I used to watch that. Yeah, um, I'm, I was I've I've been watching one of the episodes for an artist that <laughs> we're going to be t- doing an episode on later. Ooh, I won't spoil ooh, it, ooh. but it's a, it was a really Do good I, one. Am I aware of this? Already? Yes. Okay. You okay. Are. <laughs> I bet I know who it is then. Um, but uh, anyway, good so, solo, good yeah. song. And so I feel like putting this one second to last, I think is. I, I sometimes like to put like the epic song at the last, second to last, second to the last. one that's just like the big right. long that's song, true. and then just kind of have something to just kind of like resolve everything, and that's this, what I think that this last one does. Yes, this is this is the song that that makes me think this is one of the greatest sets you've put together so far, yeah. because and, because this this song is a good cathartic ending to everything else, mm-hmm. because of the lyrics itself. And the music behind it that backs the lyrics, which is so iconic of, of course, all the other songs we've talked about. By the way, this the last song is Take It to the Limit. Okay, I was going to say I was going to get there. Oh, oh okay. Gosh. I should have okay. trusted you. Fine. Just we do that a lot sometimes where we just are going on and then we go, oh, wait, we never said what song <laughs> I think it was. we've done that for every song this episode. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I might have actually forgotten. <laughs> but yes, take it I'll, to the I'll trust you from now but, on that you've got kind of no. Vision. That's good, so they don't forget. But um, no, because the lyrics in this song is like "take it to the limit one more time," mm-hmm. and then they repeat that chorus at the end. You know, and it's kind of like, ah, oh, this is the big chorus at the end of the concert. Slash yeah, and this was album. This slash. was how they would end their shows back in that day, as they should. A good Which ender. I I found out after I already put it at the end of my set. So look at that, great minds. By the way, uh, Hotel California was a number one hit, and this one was this one's number four hit. So this was mm. a huge song. Yeah, uh, and so this is the um. one song in the set that's not sung by either uh, Don Henley or Glenn Frey. This is, is, is this off of um, the one of these nights? Oh, okay. is this the same album as Lion Eyes? Okay, um, and this is sung by Randy Meisner, who was the bassist at the time. Uh-huh. And one of the biggest reasons why he left the band is because he always got, like, super psyched out about having to sing this song. Really? Because he was always really nervous to hit the high note at the end. Oh, yeah. 
but they would tell him, just like, dude, you have to play this song. Like, there are people that come just to hear you sing this song. It's the reason why we put it at the end of our set is because it's, like, the big moment that, like, everyone waits for. And he just eventually was just like, he made an ultimate. I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do this song anymore. Oh, my and gosh. Then, it's like his song. I know. And then oh they were just gosh. like, well, then you're out of here. Wow. <laughs> because we have to do that song. It's petty, man. Uh-huh. I mean, just... <sighs> But man, he's got a great voice. And this yeah. was like one of the few songs he ever sang lead on. This was an abnormal thing for him to do. That's crazy. Because he's got a good voice. Yeah. And a good range. Mm -hmm. It's funny that the bass player has the highest voice in the band. That's typical. <laughs> I mean, Van Halen. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the first band I think of. When when you're talking bass players with range. Uh-huh. Um. That is true. <laughs> yeah. No. Good song. It's a good cathartic ending. Yeah. And... I I would say... And this is why this might be a contender for my favorite song in the set. That chorus is just when it so... Says, so put me... Uh, yeah, that's another it's reason. It's so good. And it kind of brings everything full circle. Because we, we were at the uh, highway in the first song, and mm -hmm. now we're back on the highway. Yeah. We left Again, the hotel. And I feel like this set kind of has that whole innocence to experience mm -hmm. because it's we're kind of back to the same themes but it's but what's it's a, got a bit more of a mournful tone to mm -hmm. it um this is maybe one of the sadder songs on the set but again it makes you feel really good when you listen mm -hmm. to it because it's so um it just it lifts everything mm -hmm. and um and then just you've got the string work in the back that just makes Oh, it... right. You got the strings. That was a whole other thing that I love. Mm -hmm. Because it was another thing. That, it doesn't show up in any of the other songs. It's an instrument that's specific to this song that's only supposed to make the lyrical ideas more potent. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I like that. I felt like that there's <laughs> just there was no better way to close the set than there's, with no, this, this song. Is, this is good. It was a good set. I'm. It's a shame because normally I get to I get to listen to these songs with you. Yeah. And this was one of the one of the times when we were really in social distancing. Yeah. And I just had to be like, okay, I'm just gonna put them on. You listen on. But yeah. this was a set I really wish I could have like mm -hmm. seen you experience because I think that you would have really. Um, yeah, because I would. You ended up really liking. I it. wouldn't have known who it was until Hotel California. Oh, interesting. You know, but I've I've definitely have heard. Uh, you know, the first and third songs. So. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway. they're all over. I'm radio. starting to get into final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So I think we can go ahead and uh, take a break here. Yeah. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our bonus song, do our final thoughts, and then wrap things up. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about the Eagles in yep. this episode. We just finished talking about the songs. And just to recap, those songs were Take It Easy, The Long Run, Life in the Fast Lane, Lion Eyes, Hotel California, and Take It to the Limit. Ooh. Now it's time to talk about our bonus song. Grant, for those of us that are watching for the first time, what's a bonus song? Well, if you're watching for the first time, I'm really questioning how you're able to do that. Because this is audio. Um. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> um. Listening. Anyway, yes. So our bonus song is by an artist that, for whatever reason, we wouldn't... Um, give them their own episode, but we still want to kind of talk about their music. And so it's usually from a related artist um, somehow, and it's also included in the Spotify playlist in the description. 
Um, I think it's everything. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say about the bonus song other than the bonus song is Funk Number 49. By, by James Gang. By the James Gang. Is it James Gang or the James Gang? Just, I think it's just James Gang. Okay. Couldn't remember. So, um, do you know why this is the bonus song? I do not. Because Joe Walsh is the singer and guitar player in this song. You know, I... Man, because I was about to say, I didn't really like this song. But just because, you know, I'm going to stick with it. I don't know if I really like this song. Oh, come on, man. I, uh, so, something about, like, the way it was constructed, the verse, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. Is this pre-Eagles? This is pre-Eagles. Okay, this came sense. out 1971. Wow. So, um, you know, he uh, he was very early in his career. I want to say this was like, kind of like his first, you know, hit. I'll have to look and see mm-hmm. exactly how it did on the charts. Uh, number 59. So, I mean, it's a minor hit. Mm-hmm. You know, not a song. But it's kind of one of those songs that's kind of just... Um, it's kind of become like a, a classic rock mainstay. Uh, I hear this on rock radio a lot, which you said earlier that you didn't. Which I'm kind of surprised by. Um, Maybe I did, and it's just it's not ringing a bell. Yeah, I just think that it's a great guitar riff. the The verse riff, the oh, I, I like that. Yeah, and I love that that chorus riff, the kind of a bit of a precursor to Life in the Fast Lane a little bit. Oh yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, Joe Walsh. Of all the singers that the Eagles had, I would definitely say he was the weakest one. Just because that's just not naturally what he was first. He was always a guitar player first. And he would become a better vocalist over time. Like, his vocals got much better by the time we get to, you know, Life's Been Good to Me. And, you know, obviously he was able to get his voice to mesh well with the Eagles. Because he does sing on the harmonies on those two records that he's on with Mm -hmm. them. Um, and they actually, they played Funk 49 at just about every Eagle show that they wow. did. Um, just because, you know, it was a song, again, it was a big enough hit that, like, people would get excited when they would hear it. Mm-hmm. And Joe Walsh would sing it on stage, and, and, you know, I bet the song elevates a lot when you have the Eagles back yeah. up on it. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But, you know, probably, I have a feeling probably just the main thing that's bugging you with it is the vocals. No, it's 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 not. It's it's kind of the little parts that they add extra, like that part where the rest of the band comes out and it's just the guitar, and it's kind of like that. It's it sounds sloppily thrown together, like they're trying to do something cool, but it just didn't. Yeah, but you just also have to think it's it's the early seventies, and I feel like that that was kind of a norm of that time. Just kind of you know it was. But say like the yeah. the blues were just kind of in the in its big reinvention during that time. Obviously, Led Zeppelin was leading the way on mm-hmm. that. But I mean, that's what a lot of early Black Sabbath was. And I mean, if you're if if you're a young guitar player, you know, and it's just I appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And whenever I was a a band teacher at uh, the school that I taught band mm-hmm. at. We had the band, the pep band that would play at football mm-hmm. games. This was one of the songs that we did. And so I felt like I got to know this song pretty well. And so I have a personal love for it because, you know, I've helped lead high school students in playing it. We had a pretty uh, kick-ass guitar player in our mm. in our band. In your pep band. In our pep band. He was wow. a... 
um, he was a junior and senior the two years that I was there, and he was predominantly a jazz and blues guitar player. Mm-hmm. But man, he could rip. Wow. I mean, he was. He's. One I mean, of, don't underestimate those jazz guys. Yeah, like you ask him what his favorite guitar player was, and he would say, um, "Oh, I better get this name right. I think it's uh, Chet Montgomery." I've never heard. I, I think I said that name wrong. I know it's Montgomery. I might have gotten the first name wrong. I'm terrible. I, I claim to be this expert on music. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, that's just that's where that's where you know his love and his passion was but of course you know he was also a big blues guy he loved blues music right and so this was a bluesy song that he really just like every time we would play the song he'd always went crazy on it it was it always sounded really good we would always pair it with are you gonna be my girl by jet <laughs> we would do that song first and <laughs> then we would do the breakdown where he's doing the brown and so just you know i like this song and it's, you know, you don't have to like every song. Yeah. Listeners, you don't have to like every song we present to you. Yeah. We're just, again, helping you fill in the picture. We're lis- introducing you to things you may have never heard before. Yeah. And now you know where the song fits in the overall scheme of music history. There's some good parts to this song, okay? So don't, don't based on my word alone, don't listen to the song. Well, now, uh, what I'll challenge but... you to do is see if you can find a live version where he's playing with the Eagles and see if what you think of that okay so yeah all right well <laughs> we'll go ahead and go into our final thoughts oh yeah, here. Right, yeah final thoughts yeah um okay so Grant, now that you know who the eagles are <laughs> you know that kind of. those are their songs yes tell me now what your overall impression of the eagles I, is i really really want to listen to more eagles i cannot wait for volume two i can't wait to get introduced to more high quality eagles oh and there's still songs. there's still a lot they were just sure. they were that level of band that they had sure. very few stinkers I'm, I'm sure um oh my goodness it's just every single one of these songs i loved them i uh, i don't know it i can't put it into words mm-hmm. i can't really like tell you guys my final thoughts it's just i feel like i've been missing out for the past 19 years but I'm also like paralyzed. I don't know where to start. I don't want to ruin the new experience of the Eagles that I have uh-huh. by maybe listening to like a weaker album, mm-hmm. you know, accidentally or something. Because I've done that with bands before, and then I've gone back and like, oh, I actually do like this band. And I don't want to do that to, to the Eagles because I love these songs. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to experience more. Well, good. That's, I mean, that's literally as good of a experience as I could possibly get, <laughs> okay. which that's, that's, that's what I live for. That's the whole reason I do this is to have to, for someone to find something exactly how you said, like something that they feel like has been missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not the kind of music that I would necessarily like go to by default. It's not mm-hmm. my default area of music. Yeah. I figured it wasn't cause it's just, but you're more into the harder stuff, but. But if somebody, like, put this on, like, the radio or on the aux or whatever, I would not complain at all. Yeah. At all. Me I either. would, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, my, um, I discovered a lot more of the Eagles throughout this process. Uh, learning their story was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to know the band members themselves more. 
Um, and uh, several of these songs, just listening to them and getting ready for this episode, I fell in love with them more. And I would definitely say that my love for the Eagles has gone up mm-hmm. in the process of doing this episode, which is always good for me. Sometimes I have it to where, yeah, you know, I'm already at the level where I don't know how I could love them more. Mm-hmm. So it stays the same, or I'm, I've never had the point, I hope I never do, where I, I like an artist less <laughs> after I research them. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, but it definitely was not a stay the same for me. Mm-hmm. My, um, I became a bigger Eagles fan throughout this process. Mm-hmm. So, Well, good. Yeah. So hopefully uh, you guys, if you uh, are not that familiar with the Eagles, that you will have a similar experience. Yes. And we just want to thank you so much for listening to another episode of ours. Um, Again, make sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. We've got new episodes that come out every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. We are going to be staying in the 70s with our next episode. Kind of a different side. But yeah, a different um, a different aspect of 70s music. The so, aspect that I'm more familiar with. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure that's probably very easy to narrow it down from there. <laughs> I'm excited. There wasn't that much of it in the 70s. Well, okay, no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of 70s that I like. Yeah. I don't want to name any because then you guys can eliminate. But... And we'll be able to uh, <laughs> unveil our new pet project we've been working on. Yes. Next episode, so stay tuned for that as well. And... Uh, Continue to let us know what bands do you want to hear us talk about. I'm sure at some point, just about everything that you suggest at us, we will get to. Even if maybe not in a main episode, but maybe even as a bonus song. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got a, um, probably coming in the next oh month or so, we're going to be starting our new uh, spinoff series on the history of music. Yes. Where, you know, we could see bands pop up on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, you know, we still want to hear everything that you guys want us to talk about, so don't stop. Also, every Sunday we're doing giveaways. Check yep. out on our social yep. media pages about that. We want to send you guys prizes. It's going to be a, a great way for us to connect with you guys and just yes. give you guys a thank you for uh, investing in us. Yeah. Go check out our Patreon. Even if there's not premium content on there yet we promise there we've got stuff in the works Oh, we definitely have stuff in the works that's gonna get on there (laughs) so um be looking out for that and um we'll just see you guys next time i'm lucas i'm grant keep on listening to good music